0: Welcome to Garpod That
1: was beautiful That was amazing That was beautiful Thank you Thank And now you. It,
2: it dawns on me that the song didn't have to be royalty free It could have been any song in the world I, I, I doubt that the filter would have been like, wait a second <laughs> <laughs> like, That's Martin. Bad Romance by Lady Gaga <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh,
3: My favorite part of that was, since I don't know that song at all I thought it ended like six times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then too. you were like, <laughs> wait, and it kept going. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. But each time I was like ready to clap, but I was yeah. like, did it end? Mm.
2: At one point, I was confident that it was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I and Twinkle. I was like, <laughs> she was doing a prank on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> yeah. wasn't saying the time. It's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. But then it kept going. But I I'm, didn't think I'm, that far ahead. I loved it. But I loved it.
4: Thank you. Um, violin is my passion.
5: Clearly. As you can tell. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think yeah. we all felt that yeah. in the room. Uh,
4: Well, uh, today on GarPod, we have done something that has never been done in the history of podcasting. We have gathered four men to talk (laughs) about capitalism. (laughs) 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 So, gentlemen, thank you for being here for this historic first. Uh, Let's go ahead and introduce everyone. Uh, First, we have Kyle Romero, an Austin-based actor, writer, and professor slash teacher
5: thank you thank you so much happy to be here
4: thank you for coming then we also have uh, Jisoo Peck another Austin based actor writer member of Yahweh Asian Improv Troupe which uh, plays on the first Friday of every month at Fallout Theater and the founder of Hot Pot Comedy another uh, improv troupe both Austin's only all Asian American improv troupes. Uh, Is that correct?
3: Close. Uh, Hop (laughs) Pot is a sketch group, but yes, you got it.
4: We also have Garrett Bus, uh, an Austin comedian, host of Explorer first and third Tuesday of every month, Fallout Theater and Austin's resident bad boy. It's me,
1: it's me. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, look out, (laughs) hide
5: your valuables.
3: He's on a motorcycle right now for the listeners. That's
5: right, that's right, very quiet. (laughs) It's it's electric. Swinging a chain around his head.
4: (laughs) 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 And finally, we have Tate. So, let's get started. (laughs) So, in this episode, we're going to talk about Garfield as literally a capitalist entity. Um is Garfield art? Is it a commodity? What is it? You know, stuff like that. So, our first question. Is Garfield supposed to be funny?
5: <laughs>
4: Does anyone have any thoughts right off the bat? You
5: know, you sent like a little bit of breakdown before, just a little behind the curtains, you know. And I saw this and I was like, well, yeah, I think it's supposed to be funny. I don't know. Does anyone disagree no, with mean, that?
3: It's it's a comic strip, and in the time when comic strips were obviously a thing, I mean, mm-hmm. they still kind of are, but when they were the thing, they were meant
5: to be funny. It wasn't meant to be thought-provoking <laughs> at
1: the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I
3: guess,
5: especially for that period. I guess what's the alternative? If it's not supposed to be funny, then...
2: I think it's less about the intention of, is it supposed to be funny, and more of, like are there any stakes if it's not funny? And because there doesn't seem to be any force, like punishing the people making Garfield for being not funny, then there aren't, there's no real reason to be funny. Do you know what I mean?
4: Oh, they've executed so many Garfield comics. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) They're always beheaded.
2: Constantly. That's that's a very good point. The stakes aren't there, you know what I mean? So without that like punishment for being unfunny, because Garfield's gonna make a million dollars forever, um i i feel like it is definitely intended to be funny but i don't think that there mm-hmm. is any negative consequence if they don't miss the mark well you know i mean
3: what? how do you know that jim davis isn't just like a nom de pleu and they've killed the original one that's a great point it? i didn't yeah. is jim davis still
2: alive or is he he is he is yeah that's so surprising maybe to he's
4: me. like avril lavigne oh, you yeah, know the, for sure. the fake avril lavigne
2: Oh, yeah. This is the first up <laughs> Is there a fake Avril Lavigne? There, some
4: people think that Avril Lavigne died in like 2000. 2000- 2005 something and that she has been replaced by a look-alike whose name whose real name is like melissa or something (laughs) That
3: that conspiracy exists for like the beatles.
4: Yeah
1: Yeah Yeah. That one's true
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well I want to continue this discussion, but first I want to check in with the good people at Quora (gasps) Answering the question is Garfield supposed to be funny? Yes, it is supposed to be funny (laughs) Every strip builds up to a commentary that is supposed to make the reader laugh, or at least smile about the humor.
1: (laughs) I love to smile about humor.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Garfield has, for me, never been funny. It has always been, for me, a mirror of annoying characters that are around all the time. Greed, laziness, gluttony, stupidity, cruelty are not funny. The artist does it with a simplified skill that I admire but do not like. Do not like at all.
3: <laughs>
2: so because it's not his their taste, they don't find it funny. I can't imagine looking at a Garfield comic strip and being mad about the gluttony of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like being like, oh, he loves lasagna so much. That's a sin. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. This is the to offensive
4: me. part of the comic. But
5: they also say characters, which yeah. is like they're citing multiple characters, like everyone in Garfield is decadent and depraved. Mm-hmm. And I want no part of it. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're you thinking about. Do
3: you
2: think, like, Garfield is like. Representative of like sloth or what there are five there are five like, you know, arch sins that they've listed. And yeah. I don't even think that there's that many main characters in Garfield to pull from. <laughs> there's John, there's Odie, there's Garfield, there's Nermal, and I think there are like some other ancillary characters. Yeah. Sometimes the women John dates show up. That makes sense. But, but like think. Okay, so Gluttony's That's for sure Garfield, right? <laughs> Gluttony has to be Garfield because he eats lasagna all the time. Laziness, I guess, is also Garfield. He embodies multiple. Greed
3: is also Garfield. Also, I'd also <laughs>
2: think is Garfield, but the only thing that Garfield seems to be greedy about is food, which is just gluttony. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Greed for food you is, is, is already another. gluttony. John doesn't want money that much, and neither does Odie. So greed kind of seems a little bit silly there. And then stupidity and cruelty. I guess Odie, and I don't know who's cruel. Who's cruel? Garfield, Garfield? is mean to well,
4: Odie and Normal. And he's mean to John. Okay,
2: I guess. So every single one is is (laughs) Garfield except (laughs) for stupidity, which Which is John.
1: John
4: John is also. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful interpretation. I think I think y'all are giving the author a lot of credit credit here. (laughs) So this one this one's a little bit long, but worthwhile. I think. This. The strips aren't exactly uproariously funny, but the fundamental building blocks of humor are there. It's kind of Aristotelian, actually. (laughs) 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 From the Poetics. Comedy (laughs) Comedy is, as we have said, an imitation of characters of a lower type. Not, however, in the full sense of the word bad, the ludicrous being merely a subdivision of the ugly. It consists in some defect or ugliness which is not painful or destructive. To make an obvious example, the comic mask is ugly and distorted, but it does not imply pain." End of quote from the Poetics. Back to the writer. We can definitely quibble with Aristotle's definition, but it's the essence of Garfield. John is both ugly and defective, but not generally in a painful way. Aristotle's definition of comedy relied just on our feeling superior to him.
5: Wow. wow. That's, that's brave. That's interesting. I love the we can quibble with Aristotle's definition of comedy. Here on Quora... <laughs> in the garden. <Garfield> we <laughs> quibble about definitions. That's just something someone who's not smart says about something mm, mm. to make it seem like they know what they're talking about. Like, mm. okay, let then quibble. Give me a critique of the definition. They'd be like, <laughs> well I don't know." You know. Yeah.
4: Well, and do you think calling John ugly and defective? Do you think he's talking about that in more an abstract moral sense, or is he mm. like 100? John is ugly as fuck.
5: No 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 mm. 100%. I mean both empty. are correct, but <laughs> I think the <laughs> intention is is the is John's character is ugly, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, I mean, you know, let's not shame John, okay. <laughs> 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 you know, he's trying his best. He's grotesque.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I hate grotesque. to look at him and think about him. <laughs> but you know, um John is um kind of going back to, you know, the five sins. Um John is greedy in that he's he's greedy for love, right? John's always mm-hmm. looking for that attack, which is I why he that. has mm-hmm. Garfield, who's obviously not a great cat. Terrible in fact, cat. is a demanding cat. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's almost is holding
2: it. John hostage, mm. but j- is true. John
3: holding himself hostage?
2: Mm. Mm. He's know? in a relationship he can't get out of because it's a cat. Yeah. That's interesting.
4: Yeah. It's Thank definitely... you, Cora. <laughs> <laughs> You're
3: really making us think Cora. Yeah. But obviously, you know, if we're, this is like if someone fed an AI how to argue about Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the AI would put out.
1: Mm-hmm. It's,
4: it's a thing of beauty. I kind of want to have this framed and put
2: on my wall.
5: It's a real, I have a word count mm-hmm. to fill. Yeah, kind of. I'm
1: just going to
2: copy and paste the poetics. I'm yeah. going yeah. to put some of Aristotle in here. Just a to... block quote. And <laughs>
4: it wasn't like this was an assignment or he was getting paid to do it or mm-hmm. anything. This is mm-hmm. like in my free time. Mm-hmm. It's for clout, it. you know. Yeah.
5: Get those Quora points. <laughs> Q
3: points. <laughs> what, what was their username?
4: Oh, I don't know. I'd have to click the link, which I don't feel. We're like. not gonna
5: like. do that. We're not. No free. No free lunches here on yeah. Garpod. We're not gonna give this gonna person gonna shout their yeah. your Quora page. $1
2: yeah.
4: Anyway, one more Quora quote. Tedious at best.
3: <laughs>
1: I like that at one. Best. Best. I like, I like <laughs> yeah. that
3: one that meant out of all four of them. That entry is from Kyle Romero.
5: <laughs> <laughs> But I like that saying tedious at best, Yeah, it implies that, like, tedious is in any way a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's not. It just means mm. bad.
2: I would say tedious at worst, you know? Anytime I yeah. see a Garfield comic strip, it's never taking that much out of my day. It's just, like, wall art, you know what I mean? It's just something yeah. to see. And so, tedious would be the worst because I would have spent a certain amount of time reading the strip and feel disappointed. I can't imagine eliciting like rage or anything. I can't imagine <laughs> any other big negative emotions that I would feel from Garfield. Not at all. I Most...
3: feel like this person just chose like a word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just mm-hmm. like this at best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, they make it sound like high art or something. <laughs> like. Oh, that opera was tedious.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tedious is another classic, like, dumb person Mm -hmm. art critique. Or they don't actually know what the word means, and they don't know what to say about the thing that they're critiquing, so they just go, "Oh, I found it
2: tedious." Mm. Well,
4: but it could also be someone like Werner Herzog, you know, <laughs> who's just like, "I'm not going to waste my time on this question." <laughs> you just
2: you think- have this? Yeah. yeah, it might be okay if it's Werner Herzog. I have to apologize. Yeah, for the critiques <laughs> I've been making, you know, his core account I think is probably pretty active.
5: Werner is a hundred percent correct, <laughs> <laughs> even when I disagree, especially when I disagree. <laughs>
2: Like how
3: Garfield represents my soul. <laughs> yeah,
5: they
3: are,
4: right? Well, so I want to pivot to uh, what Jim Davis thinks about Garfield. So, I did a bunch of research on this topic, and there's there's actually literature on it. So, okay, this is from an article from Slate from 2004. So wow. it's current. Uh, Davis meticulously plotted Garfield's success. And part of his calculation was to make the strips so inoffensive that it's hard to hate it, even for being anodyne.
5: <laughs> I think that's. that's... I mean, mission failed, Jim. Because <laughs> like, if your goal is to make it inoffensive, it, even even for being anodyne, mm-hmm. it's like, no, it's mm-hmm. gonna be anodyne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is a hundred percent where we landed on it. Mm-hmm that's the general conception of garfield it's just like oh yeah that's garfield it's just i don't really think much about it it's just it's garfield it's boring Mm -hmm. so jim you blew it Mm -hmm.
4: (laughs) he also gave an interview (laughs) in oh i guess i cut out the year here it doesn't matter he gave an interview uh davis makes no attempt to conceal the crass commercial motivations behind his creation of Garfield. Davis has the soul of an ad man his first job after dropping out of Ball State where he majored in business and art was in advertising and he carefully studied the marketplace when developing Garfield the genesis of the strip was quote a conscious effort to come up with a good marketable character and primarily an animal Snoopy is very popular in licensing Charlie Brown is not
2: mm. Lessons to it's be learned. Take it's like
3: yeah. if Don Draper made Garfield. Yeah, you know, I'd be like if mm. Jim
2: Davis was like really hot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you know he's not? I I yeah. can assume. Davis. Jim Davis, Jim Davis loves... is the Jim in Garfield. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Jim Davis killed a man in the Korean War and assumed his identity. <laughs>
4: his real name is Dick Whitman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you spell
5: Jim G Y N. Oh,
3: okay, okay, makes sense. Uh, but that's that's interesting because obviously it's it's like oh snoopy's popular snoopy's a dog let me make a cat um but like there are a lot of examples of this sort of thing happening but of course if you're if you're trying to think specifically of how can i take a piece of that pie Mm -hmm. then you're just going to be looking at okay well then i'm going to bake some sort of pie like you know you're Mm -hmm. you're you're in that Mm -hmm. thought universe and so that's that's interesting that that approach was taken but the fact that it's just, like, it's a it's a completely for-profit project, right? Like, it's not, mm-hmm. there's no art behind it. It was just, like, how can I make some
2: cash? Mm-hmm.
4: Well, that leads us into our next question perfectly. Is Garfield primarily a capitalist venture?
2: Absolutely. The man just I mean, said it himself. I mean, yeah. The man just said he wanted to make a marketable character, Snoopy Good, maybe Cat. It's <laughs> like, the thought <laughs> process. So I think it has to be. I think it definitely has to be.
5: Yeah, I mean, both. I think, so, it's an interesting question. We know now from Jim Davis' own words that, that, yes, it is. But textually, just within the panels of Garfield, can we draw that conclusion? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think, an interesting question because you're so, you're limited in scope there. And so if I just look at a Garfield three-panel comic... Am I going to immediately come away with the impression that like this is trying to sell me something?
4: Well, well, but couldn't it just be selling itself?
5: Yeah, but isn't all art kind of selling itself, but just in and of like self-contained, right? It, like all yeah. art wants you to approach it on its own, you know, terms and engage with it. Engage with it, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, sure. I think what, once <laughs> once
3: art hits like a there's a critical mass of like how many people are viewing your art that it then turns into a commercial venture mm-hmm. because art, I mean, we'll be honest, a lot of us are artists and we do art for art's sake, cause we're not mm-hmm. making a ton of money or even any <laughs> from a lot of these projects. So a lot of times it's just making the art for that, but let's mm-hmm. say one of these projects suddenly got big all of a sudden, well, that's the thing that's potentially going to pay me or potentially going to put money in my pocket so that i can continue to do this art thing that i love because at the end of the day we all got to eat we all gotta you know live uh so i would say eventually art does become any art does become a capitalist even like because when you're at the highest level whatever art form you're in it's in it's within some type of capitalistic institution that's how it's presented there's no art that's just free and out there I guess graffiti would be the
5: closest thing but even with like Banksy right mm-hmm. Banksy is commercialized yeah. so even when you're not talking about something as big as Banksy just like yet graffiti over time has become like yes there's still people doing graffiti and people want to scrub that but like cities pay graffiti artists now to like do murals and stuff and mm-hmm. so you know yeah on a long enough timeline any art form eventually becomes mm-hmm. commodified Yeah, that's like uh, what late-stage capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, Mm. I have a feeling we're going to get into that. Yeah. Yeah.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this segues perfectly into our next question. Should art be a business? Mm. Because you're all correct. It's definitely treated like a business to advance your art. You have to approach it like a business, market it, uh, sell tickets. You can't just do your art and live, you know, you have to yeah. work somehow.
5: I think uh, in an ideal world, uh, it would it would not be a business. Um, but also art, even before we had, you know, even before like the industrial revolution, like there were still patrons. you know, you still needed to rely on a rich person to pay you to paint their portrait or whatever, you know, so that you could go and paint bowls of fruit in your off time, you know. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think that ideally, yes, you would be able to disconnect art from commerce. Mm-hmm. I um, mean, I feel that art is always going to be a because whether
3: it's monetary, we're also vying for your time, right? Like, we want your attention so that you can watch our art. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the other mm-hmm. side of that is kind of the whole... If a tree falls in a forest and no one's around, does it make a sound, right? Like, that same thing. If you're an artist, do you want an audience? Is that where your art is? And, like, is that how you value your own art? Or is it about mm-hmm. doing the art with no audience? Like, are you still able to perform at that level with nobody? Mm-hmm. And if so, then,
5: like, what is the answer for you? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're approaching it from that perspective because, like, the art that we all do is audience-reliant. Like, we're all, mm-hmm. you know performers in that in that sense but like you know i think there are ways to conceptualize art where you don't necessarily need an artist like if i make a painting you know like that can just exist on its own Mm -hmm. i you know i in recent past couple years have been like trying to learn a musical instrument because i have no designs on like being paid to ever be a musician Mm -hmm. i just want to do something that's just for me just like an artist like a creative expression that can just exist and that is so valuable you know like it just it feels very rewarding so but that's because the thing that I tr- truly feel like I am good at and am passionate about which is just performing in some capacity mm-hmm. has been I'm now on that path where it's like it's a hustle now right like mm-hmm. it's hard to separate it and let it let me just enjoy it for its own sake sure. I think the closest like we're all improvisers here. I think the closest that we get to that is like a jam, right? Like if you go to an improv jam, which um, sure. like, as I say that, it's like I roll my eyes because I f- hate improv jams. <laughs> but it also is maybe the purest expression of the art form because you're just getting a bunch of people in a basement theater to just come together and do improv for its own sake. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
3: right. It's like play for play's sake, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like when you're young, you like play basketball with your friends just because it's fun. Right. But let's say you start getting really good at basketball. All of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe I can go pro, maybe, you know, blah, blah. Like all of a sudden because like there are the things that go into like taking that shift from just the game into like this is my real thing. But going back to even the subject of like paintings or music or whatever, at the end of the day, it's you're still purchasing that through time. Mm-hmm. Right. Time is money at the end of the day. So anything mm-hmm. where you have my attention for that two and a half minutes that I'm enjoying your painting or listening to your music, mm-hmm. that i is, I've, you've purchased that from me, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. right? Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. So art always has a cost, in my opinion. Mm. Um, uh, and you can't really separate the two
5: because I can make the choice to go see anything or listen to anything, and I made the choice to listen to your thing. But I think that's a very uh, that's a very capitalistic understanding of art as like, as commerce right because like under the system we currently live under everything is a commodity and you, you know you give the example of basketball like um you know that's because we live in a world where you're always looking for something or at least people that don't have a lot are always looking for a way to get a little bit more mm-hmm. not out of greed just out of being able to survive And so, assuming we uh, remove those factors, you know, like, I think certainly there is a world where you can just do things for their own sake. But now, everything you make, yes, is, like, it's just another choice to make at the supermarket, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I go to a movie theater, and there are, you know, 50 superhero movies and, like, one movie that's not. Mm -hmm. And I have to decide, like what what am I going to pay my money for, you know? Uh, and so that's, that's just the reality of the system that we live under. Anything that gets made has to be sold. It's another, you know, it's a box of cereal, right? Sure. But again, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, there's nothing inherent to art that means that it has to
2: be a commodity. Mm-hmm. I think uh, on specifically the topic of Jim Davis... I think a good foil for Jim Davis is Bill Watterson mm. as the Calvin and Hobbes guy because he specifically has made it known that he does not want merchandise. He didn't, he made the comic strip kind of more from a, like, a, who knows at the end of the day what is true and what is just like a slogan or an excuse to say to journalists or whatever. But he purports himself, at least, to be a creator that like made the comic strip out of passion did it for as long as he wanted to do it pulled out of it does not want stickers or t-shirts or anything to make money because he has the money that he needed to make based off of calvin and Hobbes. and i think that's like the antithesis to jim davis jim davis once jim davis Mm -hmm. dies garfield is going to continue to be made for the rest of our lives like Mm -hmm. the garfield comic strip is going to be made long after i'm dead and my children are dead you know and i don't think that's that's obviously not the same thing for calvin and Hobbes. and i don't Maybe it's naive to say that that passion totally changes how the art is, but I do think that it makes kind of a difference whenever you're, like, thinking of the properties. Like, I think of Calvin and Hobbes in a higher strata than I think of Garfield because I don't feel the money on it. I don't feel the, like—I know we're talking about—I don't think that the comic is, like, inherently selling you something. Mm Mm-hmm. But whenever I read Garfield and I have not read Garfield, like it has been, <laughs> I, I truly think the last time I have actually genuinely looked at a Garfield comic strip was in high school because they had those like books of Garfield just kind of laying on tables. So I think the last time I saw Garfield was probably accidentally. And um, you, something about it, you can just feel, you can just feel a little bit of the uh, capitalist kind of twist on it in a way that you can't with other things.
3: It's the intention of
2: of. What, they, what was the intention when they started the project. Marketable, right. Totally,
3: yeah. And just like I intended to mm-hmm. make art and it just happened mm-hmm. to be marketable mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. I intended to make this thing that will get like o- only for the sole purpose of making money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, and I think it's kind of an extreme example of risk in art. I know that mm-hmm. in my free time creative stuff, like when I do improv or bits on stage, you know, I'm not getting paid. Um, so I feel more comfortable taking a risk. Um, but in my stuff that I'm trying to get noticed, trying to get a job off of whatever, I, I definitely fret over that Mm -hmm. a lot more. Um, so I don't know. It's, if you're going to do it as a career, you've got to find that balance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think Garfield probably weighed really heavily on the uh, appeal to the masses. Mm-hmm.
5: So yeah, I, I think pretty clearly, um, it, it, textually and externally, like that seems to be the goal. But I also think there's, you know, there's plenty of examples of people that do not approach, that do not think about, well, how do we monetize this? And it turns into a commodity through their passion and through just them do people enjoying watching someone do something that they're passionate about or having fun with the, the, the bear with me here. But the, the example that pops in my mind is Jackass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that just started with a bunch of guys who worked for a skateboarding magazine and they would just make videos of themselves falling down and getting sh- stunned with electric tasers or whatever. And then that just inherently people were like, oh, we like watching this. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes an MTV show and they start getting paid for it. And then the snowball just rolls. But Mm -hmm. like the, the genesis of that is just like literally just fucking around with your friends Mm -hmm. um, and making art films. I mean, it's, it's performance art, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, in my mind. Uh, So I think there are plenty examples of that, you know, where you just, you, you don't concern yourself with, what is a commod- like? How can I commodify this? How can I make this more appealing to a broader audience? Because I think the more that you try to broaden it out, the less interesting that uh, people are going to find it. And I think there's a reason that Garfield, I feel like Garfield is in particular, uh, like, um, memified and run through this machinery now that we have the internet of like. You know, I mean, even this podcast, an analysis mm-hmm. of the thing, is exists because the core product is so anodyne, mm-hmm. and that the, it, it it's a blank slate for you to kind of do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. That's a little rambling, but um, well, do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so
4: part of the reason that I wanted to do this Garfield podcast, I've. I was very into Garfield, like sincerely as a kid. Um, in college, I found Garfield minus Garfield, and mm-hmm. so I became a fan of Garfield ironically. And so I really enjoyed the rise of the memes mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, but maybe about five years ago, I was working a job where there was a ton of downtime, and every day they would give us uh, a photocopy of the New York Times crossword. And in that photocopy, there was one panel of Garfield. (laughs) And so, and y'all can go look at it later. Mm -hmm. It's on my fridge. But um, I would take the panel and draw on it, annotate it, make it like change the meaning Mm -hmm. of uh, what the comic says. I think my favorite is Garfield is sleeping. And in the background, the words he's dreaming are, God is dead and we have killed him, (laughs) you know, Um, so, yeah, that certainly wasn't a capitalist venture, but Mm. it's, it's my main exposure to Garfield. Anymore, and frankly, when I was a kid, my main exposure was through Garfield merch. Yeah. Like, yeah. there was a poster in my science class that had Garfield with all these books strapped to him, mm-hmm. and he said, "Why can't I learn by osmosis?" <laughs> it's
3: fun. It's fun. Look at him. So that's
1: how I learned what osmosis was.
3: Yeah, I was uh, going to say the fact that Garfield knows what osmosis is like yeah. surprises me to be honest. <laughs> Pretty good man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
2: I I think it's an interesting point that you're both making about like it coming from it it, it coming from possibly like a passionate spot in some kind of way like regard there are faster ways just to make money than to make an orange cat that says he likes lasagna you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so there has to be some kind of care put into specifically wanting to make a comic strip um but then spirals out once it becomes just about money to the point that it's like watered down and has no real like meaning are there examples of the opposite are there examples of somebody making a capitalistic venture only with the idea to make money but in the interim of making the thing finding the creativity and being like now it's artistic now i've decided that um, it's like very unique and i may have an example but sure doesn't fit perfectly anyway, but it's the
3: creation of the teenage mutant ninja turtles oh
2: yeah. cool.
3: um so basically Around the time, the Turtles are a ripoff of the Daredevil universe, Okay. in case you don't know. So basically what happened was um, uh, the comic maker uh, took a poll and was like, what do young kids like really hate? And it was like Turtles (laughs) and then like Ninjas and then like Teenagers Mm -hmm. and Mutants or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, okay, let's take all four of those and make a comic out of it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why the bad guys in Ninja Turtles are called... The foot Mm -hmm. because in *Daredevil* it's the the hand hand. yeah right it's just dumb stuff like that sure but then it really resonated with people yeah people liked it and teenage mutant ninja turtles is its own super thing now right like it's super popular but that was originally intended just to be like a what what does everything hate everybody hate Mm -hmm. and let's take that and then we're just gonna serve it up to people yeah uh so it's that weird like because i think turtles did find its own Thing, mm-hmm. but to be honest, even to this day, uh, I always see it and I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is just like it's just ripping on there Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of been its own thing, like that, but for sure, I don't think people even know that story, right? So they just look at it as its own property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah, that's um, it's a bit different, but I'm just saying, like, it's something that kind of found its own way after being created for a different reason. Interesting. Well, uh, I'm gonna, oh,
4: oh no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna argue that. Shows like 90 Day Fiance and Real Housewives and Love is Blind Mm -hmm. are all shows that started as money-making ventures and at Mm -hmm. least in their first seasons became kind of art Mm -hmm. unto themselves um, because I think shows like that really reveal the tragedy Mm -hmm. of people that the housewives to me are all tragic characters. they're all many of them are trapped in marriages that they feel like they can't get out of or Mm -hmm. they have all these expectations placed upon them that they can't you know meet Mm -hmm. um and so in some moments you can really see the the desperation and the tragedy in all of these people's situations and i think 90 day fiance especially you see people who they just want love and they will go to great lengths to find it Mm -hmm. and you can tell that many of these relationships are not gonna last they're not based on anything Mm -hmm. real but you see these people deluding themselves into thinking it is so it you know being on TLC it's obviously for profit and Mm -hmm. exploitation but um, before those shows really caught on and became franchises I would say there's art in there if if inadvertent i
5: I think most art we consume is that way these days right like it all every every movie or tv show you watch for the most part now Mm -hmm. starts with like you know some executive somewhere going like we need this you know Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. our netflix right like netflix produces so much content And it's all based on, like, purely just to get its attention economy stuff, GC, Mm -hmm. like you were talking about. But it's also, like, looking at, you know, how many people stop watching this at minute 14, and is it Mm -hmm. because they're turned off by this? Like, it could not be more Mm -hmm. of a commodity to them. But sometimes through that, we get art. Like, there's Mm -hmm. really good, interesting stuff. I mean, uh, like, what Power of the Dog is a, Mm -hmm. a Netflix original movie like you know and that's like a beautiful film but like it exists because well netflix is trying to win an oscar but also <laughs> yeah. like they they are the modern day versions of the the patrons that i was talking about earlier sure. of like paying you to paint a portrait sure i you know for the most part it seems like stuff that comes from bottom up of just like some people doing a thing and then it becoming a money-making venture through their passion is much more rare mm-hmm. i think like podcasts are maybe the the best current example of that actually mm-hmm. of like it's often starts with is people having a base idea and getting a couple of microphones and just talking about something that's interesting to them and then eventually people find it and mm-hmm. in very very rare cases it becomes like a really you know it's like people that becomes their job you
2: know for sure sure, sure so um, I don't know if this counts as an example of, uh, I guess not, I guess maybe putting terms on it could actually help the conversation of like bottom up being podcast as an example of starting as just an expression of art, just jackass, just mm-hmm. any, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like things that are like not intended to be marketable and almost intended not to be marketable as like part of it. Mm-hmm. And then it, in spite of itself becoming art, um, or, or sorry, rather in spite of itself becoming profitable, mm-hmm. I guess that's bottom up. What would the term be for the opposite? What would the term be for what we were talking about for Garfield? Like, I want to make a million dollars with an orange cat. I'm going to make these comic strips. I don't know what a term would be for that. I'm just looking for like a copyrightable object, yeah. I guess. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean, if you
5: go to in the inverse, it's top down. It's top starting down. with um, starting with what makes the most money and then working backwards from there. But okay. I don't know.
4: Okay. Do do y'all think Garfield has ever found passion?
2: Hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, hmm. like Garfield, the character has ever
3: found passion, or the, like as a the IP the comic. Yeah, yeah,
4: because uh, Jim Davis doesn't spend a lot of time on Garfield. Most yeah. of his time is spent on merch and marketing and mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, you know, I I would argue that it's never been passionate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that (coughs) his, (coughs) sorry, uh, that his creative voice didn't, (sighs) I don't know. I would be really interested to see his non Garfield Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Um, I do know that Garfield started out as a comic strip called John, and it was just about John. How
2: interesting. And it was not as popular. (laughs) That's interesting.
5: Uh, uh, Shocking that (laughs) a comic about just some guy didn't
2: hit with people. (laughs) I think something that's going to be really interesting to see, and who knows if it's even going to ever happen in our lifetime. Is I'm very fascinated by what happens to franchises once the copyright holders give up the copyright. Mm -hmm. Like, famously, Disney's never gonna let Mickey Mouse go. So, we're Mm -hmm. never gonna see that specific happen. But, like, Adult Swim is a great example of all of those Hanna-Barbera cartoons being made specifically for Saturday morning. Bluff Like, when they made Space Ghost, they weren't trying to do anything. It was trying to (laughs) fill a time slot, sell commercials, make kids watch it. And then once the copyright is now over and a whole other group of people get access to the characters, that's when Space Ghost is interesting. That's when, Mm -hmm. like, all these Hanna-Barbera properties are, like, things to really watch out for, for, like, what I would define as art. And I can't wait till that happens with Garfield because that's when we could get, like, some actual, like, weight to just people trying to make something for the sake of making something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well,
5: and everything now, I mean, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get it again. You yeah. know, yeah. Like I read just yesterday that they're making a Play-Doh movie. Uh-huh. Like they optioned Play-Doh. <laughs> and this is
4: Play-Doh. Yeah. With a D. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Like the the clay that mm-hmm. you play with. Mm-hmm. And and I I remember reading it. being, And I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not somebody that is like, Society's crumbling because they're making a Play-Doh movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's all commerce. Like yeah. I get it, but yeah, yeah, it is yeah. hard to read that headline and not go like, "Fuck, man, we are mm-hmm. so fucked with yeah. art," you know? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Well, um, though that could be an opportunity to really go bonkers. Well, with the idea,
5: that's the thing is, um, it's being written by uh, Emily V. Gordon, oh, uh, Camille nice. Nadjiani's wife, and yeah. a, a talented writer, and mm-hmm. you know. Uh, interesting, funny person. And so I remember, I mean, I think the best example of this that I can think of off the top of my head is like the Lego movie, right? Like I Mm -hmm. remember when they announced that they were going to make a Lego movie and everybody being like, this Lego (laughs) movie, what sucks? What's it going to be about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But then they like deconstructed, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. Like what, it meant to, like, play with Legos Mm -hmm. in and of itself, and they made, like, a really interesting movie about that subject. Yeah. But it also was a huge hit, and they made a shit ton of money, you know? Yeah. Like, it satisfied both needs. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, top-down, bottom-up, but, like... There's all, it's, it's, I think the, the question, the place we need to get to is like the equilibrium of yeah. like, how do we satisfy both the commerce and the art side of it? Can mm-hmm. we make something that is all four quadrants? Mm-hmm. Like we're hitting, it's interesting artistically, it's, people want to watch it, it makes money, you know?
4: Well, do y'all think there are any shows or franchises that do that particularly well?
5: Mm. Uh, do what particularly well? Do like, like that? Hit all that that are interesting artistically and that make uh, make, a, a make, m- make money. money. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: um, I guess from the top of my head, like Arrested Development made mm-hmm. an insane amount of money, even though it was canceled. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and is like kind of beloved in retrospect as a show, and doesn't take some of the problems that I have with many sitcoms. Is it, it seems like kind of the problem that I have with Garfield, which is that they came up with five traits for each character they came up with a certain amount of traits for these characters that is how they function almost like it is like a planet like almost like it has gravity to it like this thing acts the way this thing acts garfield's always gonna hate mondays he's always gonna love lasagna that's just him and so every time you have a comic strip it feels needless Mm -hmm. because you're never learning new information and you're also the artist is never really trying to make any kind of point like i think the only way Mm -hmm. that garfield could ever really achieve that is Jim Davis would have to be buried in the ground. He'd have to be totally dead. Um, And whoever is operating Garfield would have to want to make some kind of message or want to say something about, like, is is hating Mondays a good thing or is hating Mondays a bad thing? Is lasagna something to be coveted or something to be despised? Like, there has to be some kind of qualifier for it to count as a message, for it to count as art, in my opinion. Yes.
4: What yeah. if Garfield got really into making his own mozzarella for mm. his lasagna? And so there were just months and months and months of mm. comics of him perfecting Ooh, his homemade mozzarella. That could be good. That's
3: yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Garfield's got to go against type, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Uh the other thing is when I feel like Jim Davis probably outsourced the writing of Garfield like two years after he made it. Right. Like, sure. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know the truth, but I'm just saying, like, these are such like nowadays machine generated strips, mm-hmm. which is like joke, joke. I hate Mondays or mm-hmm. something. Right. Like, sure. mm-hmm. it's not clever. Mm-hmm. It's not well written. But nowadays we demand a little bit more from our art, to be honest, we demand mm-hmm. um, the. Kind of intricacies of that character Mm -hmm. so what you're talking about is exactly like we need to see the next evolution Mm -hmm. of garfield we can't just see the i hate mondays or we we need to see that in a different way that we haven't seen before like Mm -hmm. we need to be delighted uh with like what Garfield's presenting to uh us because it's been the same message for 30 years now Mm -hmm. right Mm um but then itself it's just like are we are we choosing to push garfield as an art partner are we choosing to push garfield as, like, a capitalistic venture, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why do we need to reimagine? Like, why can't we just come up Mm -hmm. with a new IP? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. As you're
5: talking about that, I'm thinking about um, the latest Matrix movie. Mm I don't know if Mm -hmm. anybody saw it. I saw it. I've I've not seen it. Okay. So it's very divisive. People hated it or loved it. I loved it. it. I'm in the camp that I loved it. I Mm -hmm. hated it. Okay, interesting. Well, because it's it's doing, it's asking the same questions that you're asking, right? Of, Mm -hmm. Of, like... It's a creator, you know, a Jim Davis type and uh, Lana Wachowski. <laughs> Can you imagine if they knew that we were referring to them as a Jim Davis type? <laughs> but they're 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 in control of this thing. You know, sure, and they sure, were told sure. uh, she, Lana was told by Warner Brothers like we're making this movie whether you are involved or not. Like mm-hmm. we own it, it's ours. Mm-hmm. But it's her story, right? Yes, like, yes, yes. And so she went, you know what? I mean, if that's going to happen, then I want to maintain and decided to come back for another movie and then made a movie that was like basically like about how it's a terrible idea to make another Matrix movie. <laughs> and it explicitly deconstructs that in the movie. There's a scene in the movie where they are trying to come up with the next matrix movie and they're just going around a table saying like what do we think we think about the matrix we think of bullet time we think of cool gunfights mm-hmm. and like you know uh, neo in the new matrix movie never fires a gun like uh, that's is, a specific is. choice they that lana made of like he's not going to do that you know so to me that is a really great example and even though people hated that movie like it still was successful um, mm-hmm. you know it didn't make a lot of money at the box office because it was on like hbo max at the same time but the eyeballs that it got apparently on HBO Max, it was like a hit, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that to me is a great example of a creator like deconstructing something that is a huge hit and analyzing like what people like about it. And then, and then specifically delivering them the opposite of what they liked about it in a lot of ways. Mm in a way to take ownership of it and say like it's not your story like Mm -hmm. it's mine and i am the i'm the artist here and i'm gonna decide you know what we do with this thing sure i admire it greatly like i really think it's a tremendous achievement jisoo what do you think (laughs) i i think it was terrible Uh, first
3: of all like I get what you're saying, but like I don't need a meta moment in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to hear WB wants us to do this like as a line in a mm-hmm. Matrix movie, uh, made and produced by WB. Yes, you get what I'm saying. Plus, and I understand that they own the property because, and this is gonna be a weird segment, but. If you've ever seen Space Jam 2, yeah. okay, <laughs> Your yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's so dumb, but there is a Matrix world in Space Jam 2, right? And at the end, there's like a bunch of Agent Smiths cheering, and you're just like, oh my god, they're like dancing on the graves of the It's Matrix awful, flight. it's truly it's terrible. Like, it's truly terrible, yeah. And then, so when the movie comes out, I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be something where they're taking it back. No, 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 they went the other way, they bowed to WP.
5: You oh, see, I don't I don't think they did that at all. But
3: no, no, I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like, WB is, like, going to make this movie. It's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Maybe Neil will have a gun. Maybe he won't. But at the end of the day, the movie shouldn't have been made, is my point, right? Mm. Like, that movie could not have topped whatever came before it, so why continue to make it? Mm-hmm. At this point, it's just a cash grab. Because no one was mm-hmm. just like, I want to know what happened to Neil. They finished the story. Right. Why did yeah. they bring him back? Mm-hmm. For no reason, mm-hmm. right? And then they, because they have to push the envelope, because they need to heighten, Right. They're just like, oh, bullet time. What can be better than bullet time? Let's just stop time. Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid, in my opinion. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And then like, OK,
3: explain to me the scene with the Merovingian. Why is he in that movie? Why is he homeless? Why is he in the clock tower? And then why does that fight happen? And they all just disappear for no reason. <laughs> like, this is what I'm saying. There's so many stupid <laughs> fucking pieces of that movie. Mm-hmm. D- don't get me wrong. I will say Keanu Reeves and uh, uh, Carrie M. Mouse still have great chemistry like it's amazing uh-huh. like them too they carry the movie yeah that's that's, that's what the
5: movie was i think like it was written based on the fact that they have great chemistry because if you go back and look at all the wachowski's films it's all all of them are about the power of love right i mean <laughs> you wachowski's
3: films also a lot of them are shitty like jupiter ascending is probably one of the shittiest things i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. yeah um but i this is what i'm saying i love the Wachowskis because they try stuff right and i love right. that i love yeah. that and so the Matrix, the new one, definitely they tried a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But overall, the packaging of it was so shit and so like a uh, uh, WB filled that it just ruined the core product, mm. right? But I get what you're saying where it's like, yes, that. But then you're just like, okay, Keanu carry Carrie Ann Moss, like go up there, we'll film you. And then like around you is just a bunch of crap. Mm. Like why would you do that?
4: Mm. I, I think there's a really fine line between spite based movie and just you know following marching orders because I I love a good spite based bit you mm-hmm. know sure. Um, sure. but yeah it could really easily tip over into uh, you know not thinking of the words but like bad Mm -hmm. yeah insufferable
5: see i but i I think that's where our opinions differ is that i don't view it as a spite based i think what happened was that initially yes they were like we're gonna make it and and lana was like okay well then i'm gonna do it and then set on the path of like well if it exists then what will be and i think approached it with sincerity Mm -hmm. of like Mm -hmm. this is what i think it's gonna be and had all these thoughts swirling in her head about, like, you know, what could that look like or whatever. Um, I, I get people don't want the meta stuff, but I eat it up. I You know, I, I I I love it. I think it's great, and I think that it is one of the best movies that I've ever seen about, like, that balance of art and commerce and, like, what do you do? And Because now, because we're entering, we're not entering, but, like, we are now in this phase where, like, the primary uh, cultural cachet is around, like, sci-fi, mm-hmm. nerd shit, you know? Yeah. And so, when you have something like that that is was initially, like, with, with movies particularly, like, it's just summer blockbusters. We're just meant to get butts and seats. Mm-hmm. And the creators are taking it much more seriously than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where do you go from there like where do you how do you franchise and i think this is a good great example of one of those creators kind of fighting against that and and making something that is wholly their own and wholly unique and wholly
2: uh autourist, you know ultimately um, at the risk of sounding pretentious uh i think an interesting thought experiment is like let's zoom out let's zoom out hundreds of years possibly thousands of years because garfield was made the way it was made we can we can argue about whether or not it's good that jim davis decided to make a marketable thing and made garfield but i think that garfield has more longevity than snoopy even if that's the thing that it's Mm -hmm. compared to because if i think of snoopy i cannot think of identifiable quirks of him i cannot think of well snoopy snoopy hates tuesdays like i don't have anything Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. but like um there was a play that i that i was a like i played a role in this play but it is a much larger play i think it was off broadway for a while called mr burns that's specifically Mm. about post-apocalyptic people doing the simpsons as a play and like looking at the character of garfield as a not not connected to capitalism who knows what the world's going to be like in a thousand years him existing as like a character archetype i think is a resounding success i think that can survive way more than any individual person working in marketing making the money that they need to survive
4: so do you think that maybe in the future garfield would be looked at and studied like shakespeare Mm. what was shakespeare a commercial venture or was he yeah yeah
5: yeah yeah. i think i think Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. um that's a great point and i love that play um and uh I do think that there is, yeah, because I think what it does is you zoom out like that, you flatten all these questions out into, like, intentions don't matter Mm -hmm. at a certain Mm -hmm. point. Does something you create resonate with people? Mm -hmm. And clearly Garfield does. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, how much of that is tied up in the cultural miasma of, like, we saw him clinging to car windshields with the suction cups versus how much do I... It doesn't really matter because, like... I don't know, when I think of Garfield, like I don't think of the strip, I think of the cartoon that I watched as a kid yeah, growing up sure. and sure, sure. thought was funny, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, clearly it resonates. And so who are we to say, you know, that that's any less valuable as art, mm-hmm. you know, whether the whatever the intention was, sure. time will tell. And I, I ultimately don't think that in a thousand years people are going to be studying Garfield, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think that you know, it, it's held on longer than a lot of other stuff in the culture for sure. Sure. So you know? mm-hmm. there's do, value in that. I do
3: think, though, that, like, because of the advent of the internet and because of where we live now, mm-hmm. these will be reexamined mm-hmm. because art is always a representation of the time period, mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. which is why art history, like, studying it, you're like, oh, this is what's going on, and that's why art is more impactful because you're like, that was made during this. True. Mm-hmm. Um, but Garfield especially is another representation of that. And how it's evolved will be looked at, I think, very because it's now super well documented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like right. we can't examine art history because there's a lot of shit just lost to time now. Right, right. But like now, everything stays. Yeah, it's all in the cloud, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but um, this is my point. So now there's gonna be the ability to even look further into it and have the ability to like understand it even more now because you'll have the words of like, I am Jim Davis and I made Garfield cause I needed money or, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. you'll have his exact words. Perfect impression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jim Davis. Oh, oh my God. Oh, He's here. He's here. I hate Monday. <laughs> oh uh But yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like if, if everything is done like that, it's that's why I'm like for me, it's gonna sound a little pretentious here
1: mm-hmm. because
3: I'm just like we need to make the best art possible because when it gets examined, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna be put mm-hmm. on the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are people who are just like no, let's make art for art's sake and let's just make shitty art, which is mm-hmm. also a thing, right? A shitty art needs to exist. For sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's always like, is that how we're gonna be remembered? <laughs> mm-hmm. Example: I went to the Blanton. Mm-hmm. There was a wall that just scotch tape. And my friend was like, oh, I love this. And I'm just like, I hate this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's literally like ready-made art is what it's called. And it's just like shitty. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, when people look back at the art period, they're going to say, what were they doing? They're going to be doing tape ball. There's another piece of art in an exhibit in like France or somewhere that's literally an artist shit in a can. And they like Mm -hmm. sealed it up. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like stroding your shit, right? But Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that's the whole point, right? Like Mm -hmm. I hate stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But obviously it exists and people do like it and whatever. But Mm -hmm. when you look at it as a retrospective in a thousand years, Mm I don't know.
4: And I think when we're talking about comedy specifically, comedy is reactionary in its nature. You need the cultural context to understand Mm -hmm. why something is funny. Mm -hmm. But the enduring things about comedy we love is the humanity and emotion behind all of it. I I wouldn't go so far as to say that Garfield is super deep Mm -hmm. or anything, but I think it does tap into just what it's like to be a human it's
5: it, yeah it's certainly more timeless than in any art i've created like most of the sketches yeah. that i write are are based on like whatever's happening in the moment right it's pretty mm-hmm. topical yeah. and so but if you pull up a garfield strip uh I, shout out to um hungry cat daily which is another garfield podcast mm-hmm. but they they talk about they just deconstruct a Garfield strip like every episode mm-hmm. and I was on there and they pulled up the strip from my birthday oh, that's and so we we looked at we looked at that was the strip we talked about and it was funny it made me laugh really hard <laughs> uh and and it was from 1986 or whatever and so it's like mm-hmm. yeah that 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 it, there's no there was nothing like of the time in that it mm-hmm. was just a a funny gag that makes sense uh, to me today, you know, and so there's value in that, I think, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: well, oh no, after you.
4: Oh, I was going to say we need to wrap up this conversation, <laughs> but go ahead.
2: Um, I was just going to say, outside completely taking money out of the equation and only looking at art and looking at comedy and looking at intention. I think we have already entered the interesting period of Garfield via the internet, via other people being able to do what they want with Garfield with Garfield minus Garfield or Lasagna Mm. Cat or examples of people riffing on Garfield kind of because of the faults of Garfield in a way that other things don't have these very big identifiable faults because Garfield is so bland and so like run of the mill it acts as a perfect foil for like memes Mm -hmm. and twisting on it and like messing around with the format and so i've seen so many different interesting artistic riffs off of garfield whether it's like cosmic horror garfield or super ironic garfield or just like you know burnt meme garfield Mm -hmm. like there's a hundred different ways that people on the internet currently right now are mixing the art and making, in my opinion, better things with it. And I don't think that that would have happened. It's not happening with Snoopy. I don't think it would have mm. happened with things that might have been possibly more passionate whenever they were originally made. Because Garfield did get out there and was like seen by millions of people, um, I think we're already entering the internet age where so many artists can mess around with it and do what they want.
4: Well, that is a perfect segue into next week's episode, in which we will be back with Kyle and Jisoo and Garrett and Tate to discuss uh, the figurative side of Garfield and its intersections with capitalism. Uh, Y'all didn't need to worry about being pretentious. That was pretty pretentious. (laughs) So you know. (laughs) Uh, But thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for being here. we will see you next week.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks again for joining us on Garpod. Special thanks to our guests this week Kyle Romero, Jisoo Peck, Garrett Buss, and Tate Chitwood. Kyle is an actor and director who happens to run Austin Sketchfest, happening September 29th through October 1st, with headliners Mo Collins and Girl God. Kyle is also performing in Super Black. An improvised black exploitation movie, Saturdays at 7 p.m. in August at Fallout Theater. Jisoo performs with Yahweh Asian, Austin's only Asian American improv troupe, every first Friday at 8 p.m. at Fallout Theater. Garrett hosts shows every Tuesday at 9:30 p.m. at Fallout Theater. Every other Tuesday, join him for Exploria, an experimental comedy showcase featuring some of Austin's best comics and their weirdest bits. On the other two Tuesdays, catch him in Smart Brain Seminars, a TED Talk-style show where comedians share their knowledge through PowerPoint presentations, and Laugh Track, which I forgot to ask him what it's about. Tate has been on stage at least once. See y'all next time.